Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 141 from Delving into Islam podcast. This is your host, Wael. And it is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a privilege that I'm able to talk to you about the religion of Islam and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is allowing me to share my knowledge with you. Thank you so much for listening and participating and sending in all your questions and suggestions. Now, speaking of which, if you have any questions or suggestions, please email me at delvingintoislam at gmail.com. Again, delvingintoislam at gmail.com, and I will get back to you as soon as possible, inshallah. Uh, now, uh, you can also, uh, you know, for uh, learning about the release dates uh, of the upcoming episodes or any upcoming announcements, you can, uh, you know, follow me on Instagram at delvingintoislampodcast. Again, delving into Islam podcast. Uh, also, you know, if delving into Islam is literally for anyone, literally for anyone, whether you are remotely curious about the religion of Islam, or if you're thinking about becoming a Muslim, or if you just became a Muslim, or if you've been a Muslim all of your life, and you know, just just want to learn more about Islam, this podcast uh, is for you, inshallah. Uh, and with that being said, let's get right into today's topic. And today's topic is a very, very critical one, is a very dangerous one, uh, something that's been facing Muslim and non-Muslim communities. And... Again, it's it's one of these topics that I should have addressed uh, early on, but now I believe is the right time because of the increase of certain you know addiction cases in the Muslim community and, and again in, in the world in general. Now, there are multiple now before you know back in the day addiction was just drug abuse or alcohol abuse and that was it. Now it's further, way further, more than that. It's 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 far more than just drug and alcohol abuse. You know, you have pornography. You have uh, you have social media addiction. You have you know uh, again adultery, like sexual addiction. You have a lot of addiction that are just weird and nuanced, and it's just, it's just brand new stuff that are you know that, that that appeared because of how society has been developing all over the world. So I want to just give a brief before we start talking about like you know the actual Islamic aspect of addiction. I want to talk about addiction in general just to identify what is addiction for those who really don't know what it means, right? Uh, so I started doing like a research online just to make sure that you know I'm getting the right information. So first of all, the fact or the condition of being addicted to a particular substance you know, something or an activity. That is the definition of addiction, that you can't stop taking certain substance or you can't stop a specific activity. If you lose the control to stop, that's an addiction right there. Okay, and also, which very interesting, the word addiction is derived from the Latin word adicere. Adicere. Adicere is literally Translation, if you look it up online, adikare literally means enslaved by something. Someone who is enslaved. Adikare, which is a Latin word, means someone who is enslaved. Now, if you look at addiction, that's exactly the situation. You are enslaved by whatever you're addicted to. 
You cannot stop doing it. That's enslavement, right? Now, addiction manifests in three specific ways. Like I said, craving something. And again, it's we're not talking about like, you know, craving a sandwich or craving a meal or craving no 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 no, we're talking about unhealthy craving, something that's not normal. You're craving it constantly and when you have it and then you you know, that craving is gone, it comes back really fast. That is the first manifestation of addiction. The second one is what we just said, the loss of control over using an object, substance or an activity. If you can't control that, that's another manifestation of addiction. The third manifestation is basically continuing to be involved with that substance, with that object, with that activity. Look at this. Despite the negative or damaging consequences. If whatever you're addicted to is damaging you and you know that it's damaging you and yet you're still involved in Again, that activity or in that, you know, taking that substance, this is again an addiction. This is the third manifestation of addiction. Now, like we said, for many years, experts believe that alcohol and drug abuse are basically the only forms of addiction, right? But then, you know, when more recent basically research it's shown that no there are any pleasurable activity that you cannot control by the way addiction is something that you enjoy in the beginning and then when you cannot stop it when you lose control and you are unable to stop whatever that activity or taking that substance that means that pleasure turned into an addiction so basically recent research confirmed that anything that gives you pleasure. And then you're later on you're unable to stop it. You're, you lose control over stopping it. That is an addiction. So it's not necessarily alcohol or you know drugs. It could be other stuff. Like we said, you know, gambling could be an addiction. Shopping could be an addiction, by the way. Shopping could be an addiction. Gambling. Uh, we said pornography and sex. All these things hook the brain. When you keep doing them, they hook the brain. And once your brain is hooked, you lose control. You're done. You can't stop it anymore. Even, for example, if shopping is damaging your wallet. You don't have money to shop. You still need to shop one way or the other. Some people, and I've heard from some people, pornography is destroying their marriage. Married people who are addicted to pornography. You still do it. You don't care anymore because you lost control. You don't care about your marriage. You know, some people gambling, again, ruining their family. People who have family, they lose everything. You know, they keep taking from whatever the savings of their family. They keep gambling. They can't stop gambling. They end up with divorce. They end up losing their kids. And they still can't stop gambling because it turned into an addiction. So that is simply... uh, Again, uh, kind of an overview of what addiction could do and the reasons for addiction. Now, we're going to get into the reasons for addiction. So, like, in 1930, in the 1930s, there was a lot of researchers that basically they started, they wanted to investigate the, the cause of addictive behavior. And then they believed that 
you know, the people who develop addictions are somehow morally flawed or lacking in uh, willpower. Now, here's the interesting part. In today's world, or even recently, this whole concept had it changed. Because right now, the sci- basically the scientific consensus of what addiction is, it is becoming officially a chronic disease. A chronic disease, like for example, like uh, diabetes or like uh, you know any kind of cardiovascular disease that damages your heart. Diabetes basically damages your pancreas. Addiction is a disease that damages your brain. This is now a medical problem. This is not just a behavioral problem. This is medical. Now, in the brain, pleasure has a distinct signature. Dopamine. Now, the dopamine release is consistently tied with the pleasure. When you basically your brain is gets uh, a pleasure feeling, right? That is, it releases dopamine. Now, whenever your brain uh, it, it feels that crazy pleasure. By the way, you can go on social media and when you get likes and all these things, that all releases dopamine, by the way. Any type of pleasure the brain gets, satisfaction and pleasure, dopamine is released. Now, here's the interesting part. Dopamine not only contributes to the experience of pleasure, because that's, we already know that, but also it plays a role in learning and memory. What is that supposed to mean? Learning and memory are two key elements in the transition from liking something to being addicted to it. Again, think about it logically speaking. Learning and memory, they contribute. There are key elements into, like, for example, for example, you like uh, uh, you start a drink. Uh, you had a one whatever uh, one uh, shot of some sort of a alcoholic drink. Okay, so the first time you had it, your your brain liked it, released dopamine, right? And now you're liking it. You had it a, a second time. Oh, it really likes it. Okay, okay. The dopamine it's like a you know a drug, right? It's it's that your brain is craving it because it liked it in the first place, but it's not addictive yet. Now, dopamine, what does dopamine do? It, it helps with learning. Okay, I am recognizing that drink and memory, and you keep it in your brain. Now, every time you have that drink, the brain gets happy because it's coming back to you. You know, memory, again, it's like seeing someone for the second time that you really wanted to see for a long time, and you see them and brings you back good memories. That's the same thing when it comes to addiction. Your brain, when it releases the dopamine, the dopamine contributes into learning about that thing and keeping it it into your memory, in your memory. Now, when you take another shot, the brain likes it even more because it's coming from memory. It remembers that it liked that thing. When you take it a third time, a fourth time down, the brain wants it. And it remembers the pleasure it had every time you would drink that. So it becomes an addiction. It's very fascinating, by the way. It's, a, it's really fascinating. Really fascinating. Now, every person who is addicted to something, they, are, they, they start their addiction not knowing that they will ever be addicted to that. It's just an innocent liking to something. 
dopamine is released, brain likes, dopamine is released, memories there. Now the brain knows that it likes that thing and it would like to try it again. So the brain will try to convince you to try it again because you liked it the first time and then it's going to keep on trying it, keep on trying it until it, you can't stop trying it and you lose control. That is simply, in, in a nutshell, how addiction works. Dopamine gives the brain quick pleasure and it keeps it in the memory and because of that your brain now wants that quick pleasure all the time now this applies to everything like i said not just alcohol not just drugs it applies to again the rush of gambling you know the 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 shopping you get you feel happy you feel excited you feel some sort of a pleasure when you go do shopping and unfortunately, again, with, with many of our youth, pornography, sex, all these things that keeps the brain, you know, happy and pleasured, dopamine is doing that to you. And you want to keep releasing that dopamine because it feels good until you lose control and it becomes damaging and you ruin your entire life and you still won't be able to control it unless, of course, now we will talk about the steps, but this basically, scientifically speaking, that's what uh, you know, what, what addiction is. Also, there was a very interesting article called the four uh, C's of addiction. The four C's of addiction. The first, the, meaning the four C's are craving, compulsion, control, and consequences. The four C's. Now, craving is, think about it this way. Craving is a powerful desire, right? Or urge to use substance or engage in an addictive behavior. You want it. You crave it, right? Compulsion is the feeling you must engage in addictive behavior. Even if it causes problems in your life, you don't care. It's like it's an unstoppable force that pushes you to continue addiction. You can't not stop it. Control, when it comes to addiction, control means you being unable to stop you. You lose that control. So control is something that you lose, literally, when you are addicted to something. And consequences are negative effects that happen because of that addiction. But honestly, you really don't care at this point. Now, some people do care, but the majority who are really deep into their addictions, they, they really don't care about consequences. You could ruin your entire family. You're still going to do it because you have no power or no control over your addiction. Now, let's move on to the Islamic side of addiction. Let's talk about it Islamically. Islamically, addiction is, and by the way, if, if you want to think about it, it's caused, number one, by our enemy, shaitan. Shaitan whispers to you. How about, by the way, we said before, and we talked about this many times, shaitan is not your only enemy. Yourself is your second enemy. Yourself, your nafs. Your nafs is, again, your worst enemy. Now, Shaitan is your worst enemy, but your nafs could be your second worst enemy. Because your nafs in the nafs are amarat and basu. Nafs wants you to do bad. But through faith, through religion, through knowledge, you can control your nafs, your soul, yourself. Now, we're not, nafs literally does not mean soul. It, soul is rawah. Nafs means your self, your inner self. So your inner self wants to do bad. Who helps your inner self to do bad? It's shaitan. He comes and whispers you, whispers to you. 
and tells you you should do this. Whatever your nafs wants, you should, you know, fulfill what what your nafs wants, what your inner self wants. Now you have yourself and shaitan against you. What are you going to do? If you have weak faith, you won't be able to, you won't stand a chance against them. That's it. You're, you're lost the battle. And by the way, that includes addictive behavior and non-addictive, any sins, whether they are addictive or not, you're going to lose that battle every single time you commit a sin. That what, This is what happens, by the way. Your nafs wants you to do it. Shaitan is going to whisper to you to weaken your, basically weaken your nafs. He wants your nafs to be on his side, to do whatever Shaitan wants you to do. And he basically is trying to tell you, listen to your inner self. You want to do this, do it. Both, it's basically two against one. Now, if you have weak faith, if you have no knowledge, you're going to submit to what they want you to do and you're going to lose what you want, you know, this fight basically in terms of like committing that sin. You're going to lose it. Shaitan knows that. Shaitan studies us. He literally watches us all day long. He has nothing else to do but to lead us to hellfire. So he studies. He looks at you and he sees what you want. What is it that triggers you? What is it that, you know, gives you pleasure? He's watching because you can't see him. He can see you, but you cannot see him. So he's just sitting there analyzing you. Literally, it's as if he has a notebook, writing down notes, taking down notes. Oh, that's what makes them do this. That's what gives them pleasure. Oh, they're weak against that. Oh, look at them. They're trying to fight so hard not to do that. Okay, that's nice. That's what they do every single day. Again, it's it's their job to do whatever it takes to put us in hellfire for eternity. If not for eternity, then for as long as they can. It's a hate that has been installed in them since Satan and Adam. We all know that story. Satan blames Adam for leaving paradise. Satan believes that Adam's creation is beneath him. He was created from hell, from fire, from smokeless fire. Adam was created from clay, from teen, from mud. When Allah asked Satan to prostrate to Adam as if, a sign of respect, not as a sign of worship, like we said, Satan said, no. Why would I prostrate to something that's basically created out of mud? You created me from fire. I have, you know, uh, more of a value. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala punished Satan by throwing him out of paradise. And of course, the whole eating from the tree took place. Then everybody was thrown. And that's basically it, thrown out of Jannah. Adam and Eve, they repented to Allah, but Satan refused because he believed that Adam did this and I was tricked into this whole thing. So I'm going to lead all of Adam and his progeny to hellfire. So he'll do whatever it takes, him and his followers from the shayateen, from the devils, from the jinn. Evil jinn, not good jinn. Addiction is one of their biggest ways to do that, to make you lose control. Now, before we talk about this whole concept of you know addiction in Islam and and how does it happen and why shaitan how how you know does he work when it comes to uh, addiction? I want you to think about something. We have a fact in Islam. That fact is that the vast majority of things on Earth are halal for us as Muslims. Despite what certain people might think Think about it this way Wallahi A lot of people think You guys have this haram This haram That Everything is haram That's not true As a matter of fact Every single thing is halal Except for a few things Few things 
Think about it. Wallahi, think about it. Few things. Like for example, eating is halal. Except don't eat pork. And don't eat non-dabiha. Like don't eat uh, meat that has not, the name of Allah was not mentioned on. Drinking is halal. Do not drink alcohol. Working is halal. But do not do work that is something that's immoral or something that is against Islam. But any kind of job is halal as long as it's not a bad job. It's not something that causes harm. And it's not something that contradicts Islam. Which is, by the way, very few. Socializing is halal. in Again, in a halal boundaries. No drinking. No mixing. No doing certain things. No mixing in a halal way. Like family members, they're fine. Again, with boundaries. Everything you could do is halal in this life with certain rules and certain boundaries. Do you understand? We can count what is haram. You cannot count what is halal. I challenge every and every single human being on earth. Everyone who claims that everything is haram. I challenge you. I can count the haram stuff. You'll never be able to count the halal stuff because they're so vast and so many. Do you understand? Like life is for us to enjoy in a halal way. Okay, usury is haram. Adultery is haram. Anything that leads, by the way, anything that leads to adultery is haram. Meaning dating is haram. Anything that could lead to adultery is haram. Dating, talking to women, being alone with women, being alone with men for our sisters, all these things. Do you understand? In a halal way, you still can talk to a sister or to a non-Muslim woman. In a halal way, you still can talk to a brother. And again, they have to have boundaries. Boundaries. That's all. But everything is halal. Almost everything is halal. Yet we complain. Very interesting, Wallahi. We complain. Ah, everything in Islam is not allowed. This is crazy. I hear, unfortunately, some of our youth saying that. It's it's unbelievable, Wallahi. Unbelievable. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told uh, Prophet Adam and, and Eve and Hawa, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told them, told them what? Enter Jannah and everything is halal for you except for the tree. That's a big manifestation of our life. Everything in Jannah, in paradise, told Adam and Eve. It's halal for you. Do as you please. Eat from whatever you want. Go whatever you want. Do whatever you want. Just one tree don't come near. That's it. One haram thing. One forbidding thing. That's it. One thing. But the human nature, with the help of shaitan, Satan, what did Satan do? He went and whispered to Adam and Eve, this tree is unbelievable. You're going to be immortal. You're going to be an angel. Just go and see, eat from it, and you'll see. In the chapter of Baqarah, وَقُلْنَا يَا آدَمُ اسْكُنْ أَنْتَ وَزَوْجُكَ الْجَنَّةِ وَكُلَا مِنْهَا رَغَدًا حَيْثُ شُؤْتُمَا وَلَا تَقَرَبَ هَذِهِ الشَّجَرَةَ فَتَكُونَ مِنَ الظَّالِمِينَ This is the chapter of Baqarah, verse number 35. What I just told you. Allah said, Adam, you and your wife, enter paradise. And eat from وَكُلَا مِنْهَا رَغَدًا حَيْثُ شُؤْتُمَا Eat from wherever you want. Subhanallah. وَلَا تَقْرَبَ هَذِهِ الشَّجَرَةِ فَتَكُونَ مِنَ الظَّالِمِينَ Except for this tree, do not come near it. Do not come near it. Because you will be from the transgressors. This situation right there 
manifests the idea that we should not come near sinning because we will eventually sin. Do you guys understand, subhanAllah, Allah's ultimate wisdom here? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also applied that philosophy, that wisdom to what? La taqrabu zina. Like I, I just mentioned. Do not come near adultery. Because some people say, well, I have girlfriends or I have boyfriends, but nothing romantic is going on. Nothing sexual is going on. Yeah, it will happen. And do not, it's like us playing with fire. You know, I, I, I try to tell a lot of brothers and sisters about this. And they don't accept it. They don't accept that fact. And it's like they're playing with fire. They talk to each other, you know, late at night. They go out for a coffee. Then they go out for dinner. Then they tell each other all their secrets. And they're like, no, 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 nothing is going on. Allah knows better than you. Allah created you. So Allah say, do not come near something. Like, same here. Like when he told what he told Adam and Eve. La taqraba hadhi shajara. Do not come near the tree. What did Satan do? He came to them and he said what? Ya Adam. This is by the way in the chapter of Taha, verse number 120. Oh Adam. Shall I show you that tree? It's a beautiful tree. It's like the immortal tree. If you eat from it, you'll never die. You're going to spend eternity in paradise. Look how he brought him in. Allah says, do not come near because Allah knows what Satan could do. Do you guys understand this? You need to keep this in mind. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows. Satan can bring you and drag you closer to the sin without telling you blatantly that he's going to make you sin. That's what we're, that's what happens. Again, that's how addiction starts. So he brought in Adam and Eve. Come on, guys, let me show you. This is a beautiful tree. Let me show you. Also in the chapter of Araf, verse number 20. Look at this. Look how he also told them. This is another verse talking about this incident. Again, uh, chapter of Araf, verse number 20. Shaitan told him, do you know why Allah told you not to eat from this tree? Because he just didn't want you to become angels and be immortal in, in, in paradise. That's all. It's not a big deal. Nothing bad will happen. He just doesn't want you to do this. He didn't want you to have this. And wallahi, think about it. When someone is trying to convince you to do a sin, or when even shaitan comes to you, they will try to give you excuses. Like your parents, they just want to control you. You know? They will just want to control you. Your friends, your, your, your religious friends, they're just so uptight. They think they can tell you what to do. Don't listen to them. That's the game, my dear brothers and sisters. Be smart. Allah told you everything is halal. But unfortunately, human nature, we get drawn to the forbidden stuff. Unfortunately. With the significant help of Satan and his followers. Now, Adam repented to his, you know, to this one sin. He repented. And Allah accepted the repentance of Adam. And of course, we know that that means no original sin. However, we here 
have the same thing. We are, subhanAllah, for some reason, get attracted to haram stuff. You say marriage, people say dating. I don't want to get married. I want to date. MashaAllah. Beautiful. You're like you're defying Allah's rules. Defying Allah's laws. You're defying Allah. Even subconscious. I'm not saying that you're doing it on purpose. You can't do it on purpose. You'll be like your life will be miserable if you think that you can defy Allah on purpose. Wallahi. But Allah says right, you say left. It's a human nature. We all do it, by the way. Um, I do it. You do it. Everybody who's listening, we do it at certain things. It just varies. You know, we, we vary in the level of sins that we sin and the level of things that, you know, when we know that it's not right for us, we still do it. This is haram. Okay. Now, some people, and I know that not most people don't do the haram because it's haram. But it's because of what's, what is the haram covering? What is behind the haram? Oh, it's a pleasure. Again, back to the pleasure situation. And whatever gives you pleasure, whatever is exciting and gives you pleasure, you'll do it even if it's haram. But then you have a billion other things that are halal that could substitute, 100% would substitute the haram. You're too lazy. This gives you a quick pleasure, like we said, like dopamine. You want that quick pleasure, that quick rush. This is our life, dopamine. You want that quick pleasure. You want to just, you know, want to make your brain happy right now and you want to do it fast. Now, what is shaitan's role? What is Satan's role in this area? He comes to you and he tells you, man, this haram that you're not supposed to do, it's far better than the halal. Come on. You're going to wait until, you know, you want to get married. You can date right now. This girl, she's into you. Now goes to the girl. This boy, he, you see how he, he was been looking at you? Come on, you're going to wait? Nobody will know. You know, you really want to be with him. You know how it feels. It feels great. It will feel great. And then it goes both ways. Keeps going both ways, back and forth. That's how it happens. That's how it works. Whatever you're trying to, oh, try alcohol. It's going to feel great. You always heard about it. You've never tried it. Just try it once. Just this one time, man. Not a big deal. Just this one time. Nothing going to happen. Drugs. Again, shopping, gambling. You want to get a chance to win big? Settle all your debts? Come on. Just a simple game. You're going to win so much money and get all, get rid of all of your debts. Shaitan is playing games on us. And we are, unfortunately, for the, for the most part, we're fools. We fall right into it. He knows how to lure us in to whatever sin he wants us to commit. He knows. He knows us. Like I said, it's his job to study us. But Allah also gave us a weapon against shaitan. He gave us a shield and a weapon against him. He told us exactly what shaitan does. You know it. I know it. Yet we still fall right into it. This is on us. Because Allah equipped us with the right knowledge to fight shaitan and fight all his desires. But we simply refuse. Because it feels good. And that separates us from the animals. Controlling our emotions, controlling our pleasures is what separates us from animals. Because we have brains. We think we can make steps. We can make sense of certain things. Right? Yet we don't. We don't. You know, subhanAllah, here's something very interesting. 
every single thing. Wallahi, take this to the bank, my dear brothers and sisters. Every single thing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forbade is harmful to us. Every single thing again, God, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forbade upon us is harmful to us. And every single thing Allah allowed us to do or basically encouraged us to do is good for us. Alcohol is damaging socially, physically. Drugs, adultery, usury. Women not covering and showing a lot of skin. Men not covering and showing a lot of skin. Damaging. The society Damaging relationships Wallahi damages everything There is a reason why Allah is not practicing his lordship He doesn't need to with us Again like I always say If Allah wanted in less than a second In a blink of an eye Or even less Faster We would all cease to exist Allah doesn't need us Newsflash Allah does not need us Wallahi he doesn't Wallahi my dear brothers and sisters He does not need us Everything that Allah forbade, it's for our own good because it's harmful to us. So for our own good, we should not do it. Every single thing Allah told us that it's mandatory for us to do is beneficial to us. It's all only, by the way, praying five times a day only benefits us. You answer me this. How does praying five times a day benefit Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? You're prostrating. How does it benefit Allah? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said multiple times In ahsantum ahsantum li anfusikum wa in asatum falaha Explicit in the Quran In the chapter of Isra verse number 7 Allah straight up tells you if you do good it's for yourself and if you damage you only damage yourself you're not touching Allah when you commit sins when you commit haram you're not diminishing from Allah's dominion from Allah's lordship you're diminishing from your own self. And when you pray five times a day, when you fast, when you forbid evil, when you encourage good, when you're good to your parents, your family, this is all for you. You're benefiting. You're reaping. Wallah, you're gaining all the benefits from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's giving you all the rewards for the hereafter. And he's in, in many cases, he makes your life here better. If your life is not here better and you're still doing good, that means you are being tested because Allah wants to elevate your status in the hereafter. Come on, my dear brothers and sisters, you should know this. You're doing good does not benefit Allah. It only benefits you. This is Allah saying. In ahsantum, ahsantum li anfusikum. Wa in asatum falaha. And if you ruin yourself, nothing can affect Allah. You're ruining yourself. It's on you. Now the question is, are you smart enough? Are we smart enough? To realize this, that we're only damaging ourselves. We're only damaging ourselves. Allah told you how to not damage yourself, how to protect yourself from all evil. Once in a while, we break the rules. We commit sins. It's okay. It's a human nature, but we have to get back because we want to stay protected almost all of the time. We don't want to be unprotected and being damaged all, almost all of the time, you know, and then once in a while we feel protected. That's not 
a be- how a believer should act. A believer should be protected all the time, and once in a while they slip. That's okay. But you get back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You get back to the straight path, to the sirat. It's that simple, wallahi. You know, let me tell you something very interesting. Wallahi, and I thought about this. A lot of people complain about the whole freedom of choice, right? Uh, we, are we really free? Are we free to do whatever we want? Do we have a free will or not? And you hear this debate all, and we addressed this, alhamdulillah, many times when you talked about destiny, and there's a whole episode regarding the free will. But my point is, a lot of people complain about free will. But here's the interesting part. Addiction equals losing the freedom of choice, losing your free will. You don't have a free will when you're an addict. Think about it. You lose that freedom of choice. You lose it because you lost control over your entire life. Your choices are not up to you anymore. It's because of your addiction. And shaitan plays with that because here's what's crazy. Addiction is not just the fact that you lose your free will. You give it to shaitan. You give that will. You give that control. You give that you know freedom of choice to shaitan to control you with it. So it's even worse than losing it. You're just giving it to your worst enemy, shaitan. MashaAllah, beautiful. You're giving it to your worst enemy. Imagine you have all your plans, all your money, bank accounts, all your secrets to your worst enemy. And you know that they are your worst enemy. Do you think this is a smart move? That's what we do when we become addicted to something. We're giving our freedom of choice. Our like you, you basically we give, you give shaitan, you give the devil, you give Satan control over your entire life, and they will play you like a doll. Wallahi. Now we need to know the the first steps in battling this is that we need to know the steps of shaitan, the steps of the devil, or again Satan and his followers. To uh, their approach to make you an addict. First, try it just once. That's how it starts, by the way. Try it just once, man. Come on. Just a one time thing. Then, come on, it felt incredible, right? Again, that's the dopamine, remember? That's the dopamine. Your brain feels the pleasure. And your brain has that memory of that pleasure and it wants it. Who now is trying to get you to try it again, to get you hooked? It's shaitan. It felt incredible last time, right? So let's do it just one more time. Just one more time. You're not going to regret this. It's just a one more time. That's it. One more time. Then, okay, do it. Trust me, do it again. Come on. You know, you, you, you can repent right after. You can repent right after. Just do it a third time. You're gonna repent. It's not. It's not an addiction. Don't worry. Three times. Come on. It's not an addiction. Again, do it and make dua to Allah to make you stop. But do it just one time. And right after this time, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala will make. By the way, this applies to everything, every type of addiction, whether substance use, substance use, or an activity that you should not be doing. Just make dua to Allah. You do it this one time, make dua to Allah to make it stop, right? 
Now, the last stage, there's no point in quitting right now. It's too late. It's too late. So keep on doing it. You're not going to damage yourself. It's fine. Some addictions are not harmful, which is uh, the most false statement ever. But that's what we convince ourselves. Or that's what shaitan convinces us to tell ourselves. There's no point. Like I said, what he did with Adam and the tree, Prophet Adam salam and Eve with the tree is, come near it. By the way, when Shaitan went to uh, try to get them to eat from the tree, he never said eat from the tree. Shaitan is not going to come and be like, become an addict. No, 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 no. Baby steps. Shaitan loves to take his time. Like I said, he loves to take his time. Loves it. Because it's a smart move. Baby steps. Do it once. So he went to Adam and Eve. Have you guys heard about this tree? That's all he did. It's an incredible tree. You know that? It's incredible. If you eat from it, you become immortal and an angel walks away. Laying the seeds. That's it. Comes back again. If you guys come near, just come look at it. Don't eat from it. Just come, come near it. Come look at it. Look how magnificent that tree is. Right? Then later on, try it now. Now try to eat from it and you'll get incredible results. That's why when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to Adam and Eve before they entered Jannah, do not come near the tree. He didn't say do not eat. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was first. La taqraba hadihi chajara in the chapter of Baqarah. Do not even come near the tree because Allah knows. That's how shaitan operates. He gets you, you know, like for example, when you go to a bar, shaitan tells you, just go there. You don't have to drink. We get it. You're a Muslim. You're not going to drink. Just go there. Now you get to the bar first time, then you go again. Come on, you went last time. You didn't drink. Come on, let's, you can go with your friends. Go with your buddies. You go there. Just try one drink. Come on, everybody's drinking. Everybody's an alcoholic around you. It's just one drink for you. You're not like them. Don't worry about it. Just one drink. And that's how it happens. Shaitan takes his sweet time. Now, why is addiction is one of shaitan's favorite thing to do? Or to, you know, help you to basically be involved in? For four reasons. Number one, he wants you to lose control so he could take control like we said. He would love to take control. Lead you to hellfire straight up. Second reason is because he wants you to be miserable. He wants you to be upset, sad, miserable all the time. Shaitan wants to make you miserable for those who, you know, the believers or the Muslims in general. Number three, he wants to keep. He wants you to keep on sinning until the day you die. Because there's a bigger chance that when you die upon sin, what happens? Hellfire. At least for a long time if you're a Muslim. Last, he wants you to be like him. Like Satan. Hopeless and despaired from the mercy of Allah. Because if you think about it, addiction makes you despaired. It makes you hopeless if you get to a late stage in, in, in addiction, right? Subhanallah, it's incredible. But by the way, for those of you who don't know, the name Iblis in Arabic means Satan. So the word Iblis in, in the Quran, Iblis, a kind of jinn. 
right? إلا إبليس أبا واستكبر. إبليس is the name that literally equivalent to the na- name Satan in Arabic. إبليس. Now the word إبليس is coming from derived from Balasa. Balasa in Arabic means someone who despaired. Balasa is the person who despaired or the entity that despaired, something that despaired, someone that despaired from the mercy of Allah. So literally, it's in the name Iblis, despaired. So now Iblis wants you or Satan wants you to be despaired like him, to become despaired and to become hopeless. There's no chance of curing yourself. There's no chance of, you know, uh, getting away from addiction. And he wants that for you. Also, another very interesting thing is that addiction, it pleasures you momentarily. Once you do what you do, once you take what you take, it's a very short pleasure. Then you become miserable again. That's why shaitan walks away from you once your brain finds that pleasure. Then again, gives it some time. Now your body needs it. Your body needs that dopamine, right? What happens? Shaitan comes, tries to play you again and again and again. And by the way, shaitan is not a metaphor for dopamine. Like there, there is a relationship between shaitan and your brain, the dopamine, right? Do not think, oh, well, because I, I get it. Some people might be confused like, okay, so addiction is chemicals in my brains, right? And it is all about, you know, uh, how my brain reacts medically, physically, all these things within my body, biologically. How does shaitan fit in into this process? Because we know that addiction from a science perspective or from a medical perspective, like we said, it's a chronic disease. It comes from the dopamine being released by, you know, the pleasure center in your brain, all the things that we talked about. Okay, so this seems to be very straightforward to me. Why, why shaitan fits in? How does shaitan fit in in this whole process? Here's the relationship between shaitan and your actual chemicals in the brain, like your dopamine, like I said. Shaitan knows what we know about dopamine. Shaitan knows that your brain likes something, right? And it keeps wanting it. Again, we, we keep mentioning the same process. It remembers it, it learns about it, and it keeps asking for it. That is biology, right? That is science. Now, Shaitan's role is to get you to try things. So if if, if Shaitan wasn't there and it's just yourself, your nafs and your brain, there is a big chance that you can fight it. Like, okay, no, this is harmful. I'm not going to do this again. Right? But Shaitan plays, again, the same role that he played with Adam and Eve. All he is supposed to do or all of, you know, his entire role in all of this is to bring you closer to whatever is harmful to you. Whatever you, whatever that it, whatever it is that you're addicted to, that is his role. That's all. He wants to get you closer. Like for example, if you're an alcoholic, he will try his best to get you into a bar or in front of a bottle. If you are a, a, a smoker, like you smoke cigarettes and you cannot quit because of nicotine, he'll do his best to make you go and buy. Like think about it. Whispering to you, dopamine does not force you to go buy. Yes. You have needs. Dopamine makes you want to have needs. You want to fulfill those needs. But what gives you ideas on how to do so and whatever tells you, oh, don't worry about it. It's not going to be harmful. Don't worry about it. You can you can survive through this. You can make it. Don't worry. That is all shaitan. 
So Satan plays on your brain chemicals. He wants to give your brain what your brain needs in terms of like, you know, uh, uh, whatever, that stuff that you're addicted to, right? And that's what he wants. He wants you to be slave to your brain and being slave to your, again, the, the, the needs of your brain, meaning that you are also a slave to him because he could play you now because you're weak. He wants to weaken you against, like we always say, against yourself and in this case, your brain as well. Once he weakens you, he can play with you however he wants. Go buy this. Oh, go steal money to uh, you know fulfill your uh, gambling uh, addiction. All these things, it's crazy. But that is his role. He basically, again, in a nutshell, he makes it easier for you to be slave to your brain, to your needs, unhealthy needs, of course. He wants that. He helps you by whispering, by giving you ideas on how to, you know, get those things that you are addicted to, to, or, you know, perform those actions that you are addicted to. He gives you those ideas. So this is Shaitan's role regarding um, this whole process of addiction. Now, how do we battle addiction? How do we fight against addiction? Now, first of all, from a medical perspective, depending on your addiction, seek medical help. That is my number one advice. There's no shame in seeking medical help when it comes to addiction. As a matter of fact, it will be a shame if you let go and you're so scared to go and seek medical help and then you end up literally destroying yourself. Because you could end up in the grave, dead because of addiction, or losing everything or an institute or whatever. Right? So seek medical uh, help as fast as you can in early stages if you can. And again, even if you're in the last stages, seek medical help. By the way, this goes to us as Muslims and non-Muslims. This is the same thing. Now, my point is, I'm telling you guys this. You don't have to be an addict to listen to this. You could help someone who's in need. You can help an addict. And again, addiction could be manifested in so many things. You could help someone out there who is in need. Now, that's number one. Seek medical attention depending on your case. Number two, you must have the pure intention to change. If you don't want to change, if you still, if you don't recognize that addiction, your addiction is destroying you or is destroying, you know, your loved ones, then you will never be able to change. If you don't have the intention, then yeah, you, you can't. You have to develop that intention because otherwise, by the way, battling addiction is not easy. It takes steps, logical steps, spiritual steps, medical steps. If you have no intention of that, you lose all of that. You're going to lose the battle early on and you don't want to do that. Trust me. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you need to recognize this, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never afflict you with a calamity that you cannot handle. The last verse of the chapter of Baqarah. Allah will never afflict you with something that you cannot handle. That means what? That means whatever your addiction is, you can handle it. This is coming from Allah, by the way. This is not coming from you know someone in the street. This is coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Someone who knows you very well. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows us better than we know ourselves. He created us. 
Remember that. Allah will never afflict you with something that you cannot handle. Even if it's caused by you, by the way. Because your addiction at the end of the day is not caused by Allah. It's caused by you. Allah is allowing it as an affliction. But you caused this, not Allah. Remember that. You caused your own addiction. It's your brain, your weakness, your, you know, all these things is coming from you, not from Allah. As a matter of fact, the lack of getting close to Allah is what caused you that addiction in the first place. But there's always hope. I promise you that. There's always hope. You can get back to Allah. Listen to Allah's commands. And realize Allah will never afflict you, will never allow you to do things to yourself that you cannot handle. Even that, can you imagine? You will never be afflicted with something that you cannot handle. Number four, know your enemy. Know your enemy or enemies. At this, uh, you know, uh, this in this case, enemies. Number one enemy is Shaitan, Satan, and his followers. They're helping this. They're promoting this. They're emphasizing this. They want you to be an addict. You know, if if Satan is given the chance, he'll make every single human being on earth addict to something. So know your enemy. Second enemy, yourself. Battle yourself. Control it. Control your inner self, your nafs. Because if you cannot control your nafs, it'll be very difficult to fight Satan. Think about it. If Satan whispers to your nafs, your inner self, and they both become allies, you're going to have a very difficult battle to win. It's going to be very difficult for you to win this battle against Satan and your inner self. So win your inner self as an ally. By the way, this is critical, my dear brothers and sisters. Win it as an ally by controlling it, by knowledge, gain knowledge, understand, love to get close to Allah. Because, again, this is a formula that could never go wrong. Being close to Allah equals protection. Being close to Allah equals protection from many things. Sometimes Allah will write something upon you to happen to you, and Allah wants to see your response, your patience. Other than that, it, it is 100%. Being close to Allah equals protection. Protect yourself by being close to Allah. Now, how do you do that? Well, when you inner, when you yourself is close to Allah, your inner self will be obedient to you. And if your inner self is obedient to you, now Satan has a difficult fight against you. Because it's not just you, it's you and your inner self that he thought he could take over and control. But as a matter of fact, you are the one who's in control. So inshallah, it'll be an easy fight for you. It'll be an easy fight for you and a difficult one for Satan. So know your enemies. Gain allies like your inner self. Now, there are other enemies, by the way, that are called the shayateen al-ins, the shayateen from the humans, from mankind. Basically, terrible, terrible people. Your friends. Your friends. Never, ever, Belittle the fact that your friends could be the cause of your destruction. Wallahi. Your friends. That's why I always say choose your company carefully. Most addicts, by the way, this is a statistic out there. Most addicts are addicts because of their company of their friends. Now, not just their friends. Maybe their 
spouses, their girlfriends, their boyfriends, whatever, you name it. It's because of their company. Be aware of that. Be careful. Gain knowledge regarding your addiction. And basically analyze your addiction. Basically analyze your addiction. Like for example, why is what you're doing is haram? Why is it haram? You know, like the Prophet for example, told us that alcohol is the source of all evil in terms of action-wise. Think about it. You can do things while you're drunk that are heinous and unbelievable. You can never imagine that you would do such things. Well, I've seen drunk people in front of me with suits and they're like, they seem like they're decent people in real life while they're not being, you know, intoxicated. And they do the most ridiculous things. They pee in public. They humiliate themselves. They get into fights. They cheat. They do crazy things because they're not aware. Who's in control? Shaitan is. Because you're not in control. You're not aware of yourself. You know? You humiliate yourself. Car accidents because of alcohol. Uh, Now... That's one thing. Another thing is, now you ask yourself, why is it haram? Okay. Now, why is it physically harmful? You have to research. Do like a physical, medical research. You know? Like, why is it physically harmful? And you look. Okay, what does alcohol do to our bodies? You know? Like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, by the way, alcohol has certain very minor benefits to the body. However, the harm that alcohol does to our body is far more significant than the benefits. So do not come near it. Do not drink alcohol at all or any form of it. So again, you ask yourself about the physical harm. Now, why is it mentally or spiritually harmful? You know, like for example, again, alcohol, and I'm taking alcohol as an example. Pornography is the same thing. Pornography destroys families. You know, when people who are addicted to pornography, they have certain expectations. From whenever they get married, they were talking about those who are not married. Or if they are married, it ruins their marriage because they start asking for weird things. They have a certain image of what a woman could be like or what a man could be like. And that ruins marriages. And it causes what? Depression. So that is the mental harm. It causes sometimes loss of purpose. Again, when you're addicted to drugs or to alcohol. You don't know what you're doing. Aimless. And you have to ask yourself, what is the root cause of you having that addiction? Once you answer these questions, it's going to be very clear to you how is this harmful and that you basically need to get out of this. You have to get out of it. You also have to recognize that shaitan takes very, like we said, very small steps. Like for example, Adultery could start by being addicted to sex, being addicted to adultery, could start by simply this, just a glance. Shaitan tells you, just take a look. She looks beautiful, or he looks beautiful. Look at him. Look at her. Okay. Then you keep on looking. Then you go online and you start scrolling to see haram stuff to look at. Then this turns into watching a porn video. Then this turns into being addicted to pornography. Now you want to manifest what you're seeing in those haram videos in real life. You go and you try to hook up in a haram way with the opposite gender. 
and you have, you know, and again, unfortunately, in today's world, is doesn't mean to be the opposite gender. Now you can have it with the same gender, with this whole crazy chaos going on. But anyway, point made that basically you start to do this physically with someone else, and you get addicted to it, and you can't stop. And the problem is, every second you're doing this, you're committing a major sin, but you can't stop. And basically, your whole life will be a pile of major sins, and none. Of that, or very little good deeds, and you ask, "Why am I going to hellfire for thousands of years before I go to a paradise? If if I die upon, you know, Islam, because certain things, by the way, you could be with someone uh, who would take you out of Islam. You know that, right? Who would take you out of the fold of Islam? This again, company, an addiction could destroy you as a human being, as a Muslim, as a believer." You have to recognize the small steps of shaitan. That's just a look, just a sip, remember? Just a sip. And you become an alcoholic. That's how it, how, how, that's how it happens. It doesn't happen all at once. Any addiction takes steps, very steady, small steps. And that is all coming from shaitan. Another thing is, if you're alone, by the way, if, if your addiction is triggered when you're alone, don't be. Have some good company. Or if you, if, if you can't have some good company, make yourself busy. Play Quran. Fast. By the way, the best way to battle addiction is to fast. The Prophet ﷺ, this is an authentic hadith, by the way, by the Prophet ﷺ. Fasting stops addiction. The Prophet ﷺ, one time someone came to him and he told him, Oh, Prophet of Allah, uh, I am young and I want to get married and I can't stop thinking about you know adultery. The Prophet ﷺ said, Fast. Whenever you got, get those tender, and alhamdulillah, with certain people who are not addicted yet, these things they, they when they get get like when they, it gets into their brains, it's once in a while. So every time you feel like you're about to do something haram, fast, start fasting. By the way, fasting is incredible. Shaitan runs in our bloodstreams when you fast. You tighten your bloodstreams. Shaitan's and by the way, this is a physical thing. This is hadith by the Prophet By the way. And also fasting teaches you discipline. You know that Allah is watching you. You can't do halal things, let alone haram things. You know, you cannot do certain halal things like eating, drinking, being with your spouse physically while you're fasting. Imagine haram things. That's one of the biggest benefits of fasting. Controlling your inner self, hence controlling your own life. If you go online, for example, for those who are addicted to social media, and trust me, there are plenty of people in today's world who are insanely addicted to social media. If you go online without a purpose, if you don't know why you're here, if you ask yourself, what am I doing here? And you're just here to like, you know, swipe or scroll down or scroll up, whatever you're doing, and you have no purpose. Like, for example, when I go online, I go to post certain things about the podcast. I go to watch certain videos that are beneficial to me. And sometimes it could be a sports or something that I'm interested in. Again, it's not aimless. I have a purpose. You ask that question to you or you're paying your bills, you're doing whatever. But if you're just going there browsing and have no purpose, go offline. I'm telling you right now, go offline because this is the entrance to shaitan. Okay, you're purposeless. You're aimless. You don't know what you're doing. Come, come to me. 
Let's start looking at haram. Let's start learning from this haram thing. Let's see how people drink. Oh my God, swipe this. Look at this, the life of these those people. How they're happy and they're not even Muslims. Shaitan plays that game on you because you have no purpose online. What are you even going online for? To swipe and look at other people faking their lives? Okay. Once you feel that, what, again, if you ask yourself, what am I doing here? And you have no answer, go offline. And if you're doing something, do it and bounce. It's crazy now how social media is a, an addiction. It's a pure addiction. Begin, it all goes back to this dopamine. Like, wallahi, if you think about it, most people on social media are lost. They started by being lost. They don't know what they're doing here. Oh, they saw a video and they went down a rabbit hole. Like this video, don't like this video. Oh my God, swipe up, swipe down, look at this video. They are lost on social media. People are lost. You don't want to be one of those. You do not want to be one of those because people who are lost, again, loss equals no control. Okay, if you're lost, if you don't know what you're doing here, shaitan will take control. Come, come. Let me tell you how to navigate through this. You don't want that. Trust me, you do not want that. Now, on the positive side, I think you should set yourself a reward program. When you do something good, when you are st- like, okay, if you have an urge and you fight it, if you have an addiction and you fight it and you stop from doing it, right? And if you do that successfully, reward yourself. Go and get something for yourself. Again, it's your own money, I guess, but... You're, 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 uh, do a re- literally your brain will get used to you will be like like little kids well, there's nothing wrong with that by the way like for my oh, my, my daughters when uh, I want them to pray they're four now but if I want them to pray I tell them what if you pray I'm going to give you something good whatever the, the thing at the time like uh, whatever chocolate or whatever that will make them happy so now they want to pray they're more excited about praying because of the reward sometimes we have to train again you have to train the mind as much as you can you can you have to like literally go into the mind from any like loophole any way any breach you can to stop that addiction so if you're addicted to something tell yourself if i don't do it for a day whether it's substance whether it's an activity if i don't do it for a day i'm rewarding myself and do something that you really like you know what i mean like get this nice reward that will make you look, I know it's all your money, I get it, but it's a reward that you would not buy to you, for yourself in any other time, which makes it special. Do that, and inshallah, your brain will be excited to stop and stop and stop. Now, the opposite side of that is set yourself a punishment program. Every time you commit that sin, which is addictive, every time you do it, Pay money as a zakah. Now, some might say, well, zakah is not a punishment, but well, or pay sadaqah, I mean, sadaqah, not zakah. Zakah is mandatory, you have to pay it regardless. But sadaqah, which is the optional charity, pay a lot, pay $100, $150, whatever is affordable, but it will hurt your pocket. That's a punishment, and at the same time, it is a reward. Do you understand? This is critical, by the way. Every time you commit something that's addictive, every time you lose control, every time you want to call it relapse, punish yourself by taking out money and say, I'm going to pay this money. 
again, it's, it's, it's beneficial to you, but at the same time, it's hurting your pocket. So imagine this, if you're doing something every day and every day you pay $100, oh, you're going to stop. I promise you that. But again, if you don't stick to the punishment program, then there is no use of it in the first place. So you have to stick to it. So again, reward program, stick to it. Punishment program, stick to it. You can also bring someone to keep you in check. Like someone you trust has to be someone who you trust. You know, sometimes we are too weak to, you know, um, to fight our own battles. Sometimes we are too weak to fight our own addictions. Bring someone you trust to help you, to keep you in check, to apply that punishment program, to apply that reward program, to tell you, no, you have to stop, to do whatever it takes to help you. Like a parole officer sometimes, you know, not exactly, but like a similar idea of a parole officer. If you make a mistake, you got to get punished. If you do good, you will be rewarded. Same thing. Also, mentally speaking, try to recognize, try if you can, to recognize the wisdom of your addiction. Like, for example, it could be because of your own doing, most likely. Most likely addictions is because of our own doing, like we said. It could be a test from Allah, like we said. In certain cases, it's allowing it is a test from Allah. And it could be a punishment. It could be also a way to humble your arrogance. If you're an arrogant person, this is a way for you to humble yourself. You know? And lastly, it could be a way to get you closer to Allah. This could be all a test to get you closer to Allah. Allah wants to see what you're going to do. How are you going to act? And then, when you realize what you're doing is wrong, and you realize that the only way to stop what you're doing is to get closer to Allah, that might have been even the goal. You are far away from Allah, and Allah wants to get you closer. You know what, subhanAllah, this is something that's beautiful. Never ever in your life say the word, Allah will never forgive me. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the chapter of Zumar, verse number 53, he said what? قُلْ يَا عِبَادِ الَّذِينَ أَصْرَفُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ لَا تَقْنَطُوا مِنْ رَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَغْفِرُ الذُّنُوبَ جَمِيعًا إِنَّهَا هُوَ الْغَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ Ya Allah, one of the most beautiful verses in the Qur'an, Wallahi, I'm telling you this, by far this is one of the most uplifting verses in the entire Qur'an. Az-Zumar, verse number 53. For Allah saying, for those from my servants, my slaves, who have committed sins, who committed injustice against themselves by committing sins, major sins. Do not despair from the mercy of Allah. And then Allah makes that statement. Allah forgives everything except, of course, for shirk. Allah is indeed the Forgiver and the merciful. Do you guys understand this? Allah is telling you, do never despair. Imagine, Allah is telling you, you kept committing sins, you keep committing sins, no problem. Repent. Do not despair from repenting to Allah. Do not despair from the mercy of Allah. Make repentance. Come back to me and I will forgive you. Wallahi, one of the most hopeful, uplifting verses in the entire Quran. Beautiful verse. Now, there was a story that we all know about of the man who killed a 99 person. A killer, basically. A serial killer, you want to call it. He was a murderer. 
He killed 99 people. Then he went to a priest and he told him, hey, I killed 99 persons, people, and I want salvation. So the guy looked at him and he said, you killed 99 people? I'm sorry, I don't see any salvation to you. So he killed him. So now he committed murder and he killed 100 people. Then he went to someone who was close to Allah and he asked him, I killed a hundred people and I don't know what to do. So the person said, repent to Allah. Leave the town that you're in. Look at this. The town is an evil town. Leave it and go move to... Now, that, that person, that scholar was not from his town. He, he saw him like far away from his town. So he said, take your stuff, pack your stuff and leave. And go to a good town where people are worshipping God, worshipping Allah. And you shall be, inshallah, forgiven if you repent. Repent and do good. Repentance while being in the filth, repentance while being in corruption doesn't work. While you're still doing what you're doing, it doesn't work. You have to repent, ask Allah to help you and do it yourself. And Allah shall give you that boost. Allah shall help you. It doesn't happen automatically. You have to try your best. So that's basically what the scholar was saying. Leave that town that you're in, go to the other town. It's a very famous story, by the way. So that killer basically... Uh, goes, packs his stuff, and he starts his journey, and midway, he dies. Literally, just naturally dies. Now, angels of Malaikat al-Rahma and the Malaikat al-Adab, we talked about this, uh, the, the two types of groups of angels when it comes to the moment of death. We talked about them in the moment of death, I believe, last season. So the angels of punishment came down. He was a murderer. And the angels of repentance. Now, he was not a disbeliever, by the way. He was a believer. He believed in Allah, but he was a murderer. He was a sinner. And the, the, the angels of mercy came down. Now, they're debating who should take him. So they basically, by command from Allah, they said, whoever is closer. Like, if he's closer to the town, the good town, he shall be forgiven. Now, this is not a, a, a coin toss. Allah commanded them with that. Allah has a wisdom. We're going to talk about it in a second. If he's closer to the evil town, then he has not gone far enough or done far enough to be you know, forgiven. Now, why did Allah do that? Because Allah SWT commanded earth to shrink between his body, the guy's body, and the good town. So the distance became less. He was smack in the middle, but Allah technically made earth shorter or the distance shorter between him and the good town so the angels of mercy took him and his uh, repentance was accepted can you imagine so it's very very fascinating to show you the mercy of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is the mercy of allah and again the reason why we know that so it's a hadith by the way the reason why we know that story is because allah is manifesting his mercy do not give up hope Giving up hope is a trade for shaitan, for Satan. He literally his name, it's in his name, the despaired. He wants you to be despaired. Do not. Do not fall into those traps. There's also another beautiful hadith by the Prophet, where he said that basically this many of the believers have a sin that is addictive. Believers, do you hear this? Have a sin that is addictive. And they never stop doing it until the day they die. 
But the believer was created to be, look at this, four things, four traits of a believer regarding addiction. Always test it. So rest assured, again, this goes back to the points that we made. Rest assured that this could be a test. You are being tested, but you have to fight through it. Constantly repenting. You have to repent, like we said. Constantly forgetting. We repent and then we forget. We go back to the sin. This is forgetfulness is a human nature. Unfortunately, it is a human nature. We forget. We commit the sin. We go back. We repent. Forget. Commit the sin. Go back. Repent. And so on and so forth. Then the Prophet said the fourth trait is when he or she is reminded with Allah, they remember. So again, a believer, some of the believers, they will have an addictive sin until the day they die, they can't stop it. However, the Prophet is saying, believers are always tested. They're constantly repenting. They're constantly forgetting. And whenever they are reminded of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they are remembering. If you have those four traits, inshallah, you shall be able to battle your addiction because you're repenting, you're fighting, you know that you're being tested, you remember Allah. All these things help you fight your addiction. So that is, you know, that is regarding fighting the addiction. Now, we have like some very specific, like, uh, you know, cure or steps to take, you know, uh, against very specific addiction. Like, for example, Alcohol, do not come near. Like the Allah said, it's very in the Quran. Do not come near alcohol. Do not be around people who are drinkers. That will basically increase your chances of trying to, you know, a drink or two and then getting becoming an alcoholic. You know, subhanAllah, this is a very beautiful story that there was a man who used to make our Prophet laugh so much. He was a companion. But then he was also an alcoholic. See? People who lived during the time of the Prophet used to have flaws as well. That's normal. That's for us to learn from. And he used to come out to our Prophet and ask him to, he's like, Oh, Prophet of Allah, I, I, I had a drink today. Please punish me. And, you know, the punishment of alcohol was whipping, right? And again, it's a capital punishment like any other. We talked about capital punishments before. But then he would come and ask the Prophet to punish him. Like if, by the way, if nobody witnessed this, if nobody, like if he didn't come up to the, to the Prophet he would have never been punished. He would come and ask to be punished. Then one time, one of the companions said, may Allah's curse be upon you. He said, may Allah's curse, don't you have any shame? You keep doing this and coming to the Prophet and telling him, oh, I did this, I did this, and you never quit. That's one of the companions who said that. Look at the response of the most beloved human being to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He looked at the companion and he said, why are you siding with shaitan against your brother in Islam? Why are you siding with Satan? He comes here because he wants to be punished, to become sober. And you're trying to talk and you're basically ridiculing him. You're persecuting him like this? By Allah, I testify that this man who's being punished, he loves Allah and his messenger so much. My dear brothers and sisters, do not ridicule someone for being an addict. Help them instead. Like this companion was like, well, you keep doing this? Come on, man. But he didn't realize that the bigger picture, the person, the man wants to be sober. 
He doesn't want to keep doing this. That's why he wants to be punished. Like I said, put yourself a punishment program because you want to stop. If you do not put yourself a punishment program, then you're lazy. You know you're not going to stop and you don't want to be punished for it. That companion, that man, that alcoholic person wanted to become sober. And the man is ridiculing the Prophet looked at him and he's like, what are you doing? Why are you taking the side of shaitan against your own brother? You're ridiculing him because he wants to become better? Come on. Another thing, another example is, again, adultery or pornography. Get married. Fast, like I said. Make a dua. By the way, there's a beautiful hadith. A man came to the Prophet ﷺ and he told them this. He said what? O Prophet of Allah. That, that was in the masjid, by the way, after one of the, the sermons. He said, I am addicted to adultery and I can't stop. I can't stop committing adultery. Haram. Of course, the companions motioned him like, do not say it's inappropriate, man. You're talking to the Prophet in the masjid. You're talking to him about this filth. You know, like, but he still, you know, wanted to tell the Prophet. So he told him, and then the, the, the men were trying to like, you know, shh, shh, don't do that. Don't say that. But the Prophet asked them to stop, and he addressed the men directly. That's the beauty of the character of the Prophet The Prophet told them this. Look at this. This is a very interesting conversation. He said what? This is someone, again, who can't stop adultery. He said, would you like this for your mother? Sister? Daughter? The man said, no. Look at what the Prophet said. Well, the women that you are with, they are mothers. They are sisters to someone. They are daughters to someone. So the man understood the message. This could be your mother. This could be your sister. This could be your daughter. Fear Allah. But the Prophet ﷺ didn't stop at that. Look at what the Prophet ﷺ said. He gave him the best dua. He said, look at this. He said, ask Allah. Every time you get that urge, say, Allahumma, aghfir dhambi, wa tahhir qalbi, wa farji. I'm going to translate. This is a dua you make when you are either, uh, you know, addicted to watching haram or addicted to doing haram with, you know, other people. You say, oh Allah, forgive my sin. Allahumma aghfir dhambi. Allahumma aghfir dhambi. Allah, forgive my sin. And purify my heart. Watahir qalbi. Wahfad farji. And protect my, basically, uh, sexual organ. Wahfad farji. Protect my sexual organ. So again, from you know wanting to do haram, basically. So, uh, and you say this dua repeatedly in your prayers and outside, and Allah subhanahu wa taala, if you have the intention, inshallah, shall make you stop. But do not stop making that dua if you can't control your urge with these things. Look at the the beauty of this conversation. The Prophet used cognitive method and a spiritual method. He talked logic to him. He said, do you want this for your mom, your sister, your daughter? No. Well, those are sisters and mothers and daughters. Is that okay? So that is the logical part. That is the cognitive part. Then the Prophet immediately moved to the spiritual part. Okay, now you know the logistics of it. That, how does that, that's unfair to other people. And 
the Prophet moved on to the spiritual aspect of it. Ask Allah with these that specific dua, and Allah shall help you if you have the pure intention. Moving on to another specific addiction, which is again social media. You have to understand that almost 90% of what you see, as a matter of fact, I want to say 99% of what you see is fake on social media. All these videos, all these stories, all these poses, all these whatever, it's fake. Because it's by the way, it's very logical that it's fake. Do you know how it's fake? There's a camera on. Everybody who's doing what it said, there is a camera on. This is not a camera. This is not like people who are taking videos without you know them not knowing that they're being videotaped. No, there's a camera for even the people who pretend that they cry during salah. I always it boggles my mind. There's a camera in front of why are you crying in front of all of us? The whole world is watching. Why are you getting from this? Do you understand? Now, of course, sometimes there are videos that are being addressed to the whole world. That's different. Like when I come on a make a video about Islam or about a situation that happened, this is fine. I know there's a camera, I'm talking. But the fake stories that oh, this love, oh, this happy family, oh, I feel like this, I feel like and they're pretending that this is a life, a normal this is fake. It's all fake. You know, all over the like all the the, the women showing all skins and it's crazy to me. Well, it's mind boggling. Men showing skin, showing their abs, showing their this. And many of them are Muslims. What are you doing, brother? What are you doing, sister? What are you doing? And wallahi, forget about being Muslims, non-Muslims. You're objectifying yourself, whether you're a man or you're a woman, by just you know gaining followers through showing your body or whatever you have that you're not supposed to show. And you're objective. You're nothing but an object. You are literally promoting yourself as an object, whether you are a male or a female. Now, when you also, when it comes to social media, like I said, if you have no purpose online, just go offline. There's no point. Shaitan will take control. Another thing, try to seek to become famous in the hereafter, to become famous in the heavens. Remember? Good doers, people who do good deeds for the sake of Allah, they are famous among the angels. Do you really want to be famous among people who could judge you, who could cancel you, who could do certain things to you, who are flawed themselves? Or you want to be famous among the angels? You know, you want to be a celebrity and them calling your name. The angels, the most pure creation of Allah. Which one would you choose? Try to take a break from your phone. It's another way to deal with that. You know, in the, I used to like, when I used to do a lot of research and a lot of people would send me videos and be like, comment on this, this is ridiculous. I used to like go down a rabbit hole and be like, this is mind boggling. So I was like, even for research, I need to take a break from my phone. Put it down, two, three, don't touch my phone. Especially when my kids are around, I'm never going to teach them how to, you know, be always on your phone. It's not okay. Because that's the next generation. When your children see you holding your phone all the time, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to be worse. Wallahi, they're going to be way worse than you. And you have no one to blame but yourself. And, you know, social media has very also weird effect on people. Like now, when you look for a spouse, our youth, unfortunately, 
They want the social media standards, the fake standards. Like uh, I remember I was talking to a sister and she was like, I want someone who's like this. And she showed me a video of someone on social media who looks like this, who talks like this. I'm like, you know, this is not real, right? You marry that person at home. He's going to be a completely different person. You're going to see him for who he really is. This is a persona online. Same thing goes for the brothers. Oh, I want to marry a girl who's like that. Oh, look how beautiful this sister is online. I want to marry this one or someone who's like her. This is all fake. She has a camera in her face. Of course, she's going to look like that. You want to marry a person because they are close to Allah, not because they have so many followers or they look a certain way on social media. Our standards, wallahi, are obscured. Wallahi. They're ridiculous right now. It's crazy to me. And it's all because addiction. It all goes back to addiction. You're addicted to social media. You see a lot of people and that's who you want. You want someone who looks like your addiction. It looks like the people that you see in your social uh, media addiction. Now, I want to address this one last thing. And inshallah, we will conclude. Relapsing. You need to understand that relapsing happens in most cases of addiction. And when a relapse now, of course, a relapse is you go back to like when you're making some sort of a progress and you start quitting what you, whatever you're addicted to, then it, it's like you pressed a restart button. You just started doing it again and started getting addicted again. That's a relapse, right? Now, when a relapse takes place, do not lose hope. Because again, shaitan is relying on you losing hope. He wants you to lose hope. Because if you lose hope of getting better, what happens? He takes, like I said, he takes control. So shaitan will use relapse. This is key here. This is important. This is critical. Shaitan will use relapse to make you feel like you lost hope. Because if, you know, when you're hopeless... You are basically a toy in his hands. Continue and start all over. Again, start all over. Do not lose hope. Start all over. You know, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you hope by forgiving you every time you repent, my dear brothers and sisters, Allah forgives you every single time you repent. Who are you to not give hope to yourself? If the Lord Almighty, Allah, the creator of you and everything else, is telling you it's okay, do not lose hope. I'm going to forgive you every single time. What are you doing not forgiving yourself and losing hope over relapsing? You know, this is literally shaitan's ultimate trick on you. When he sees that you're getting better, okay, let me use relapse. Once you start going, because he's going to try to get you back on track in terms of addiction. He wants you to be addicted. And once you break and once you, again, you you you, you feel relapsing, then Shaitan will literally convince you to quit. Here's something that's really, by the way, this is important. When you are addicted to something, and of course, it's a sin, whatever you're addicted to, it's sinning, right? Shaitan will try to convince you to let go of your good deeds that you're doing somewhere else because you're not worthy. Shaitan will tell you this. You're not, man, you're, you're sinning and you can't even quit your sin. Stop giving zakah. 
stop uh, you know, being good to these people. Stop learning about Islam. You're, you're hopeless. Any good deed you'll be doing, Shaitan will come to you and be like, yeah, it's not worth it. You're, you're too sinful. Focus on yourself first. Get yourself better. Then do the good deeds. That is Shaitan's ultimate trick. Using relapsing, using your addiction to make you quit your good deeds. You know, if you go to the masjid all the time, He'll literally come and tell you, why do you even bother? You should stay home and try to deal with your addiction. If you preach Islam, he'll come to you and be like, you're too sinful to give advice to others. What are you talking about? What are you doing? Acting like you're righteous? Fix yourself first. Quit. Look at this. Quit preaching. Fix yourself and go back on track. He wants you to quit whatever good deeds. If you pay charity, again, you're spending money on haram. And you're also spending money on charity? Come on, those... Those two don't mix. Fix yourself, then pay charity. He wants to do whatever it takes for you to quit. And he does it in a smart way. He doesn't come and tells you, you know, quit good deeds. No. He comes and tells you, you're doing so much. Fix yourself first. Postpone, postpone. You know, put it on hold. Whatever the good deeds you're doing, put it on hold. Do not allow him to do that to you. Because here's what happens. You're going to end up doing no good in this life. No good in the hereafter because all of your, you know, rewards, you've stopped doing that. And even though you need good deeds more than anyone else, you're someone who's sinning constantly, right? You're someone who's sinning constantly. Who needs more deeds than you? You need to make up for those sins. So shaitan wants to literally cut you off completely from hope. He wants you to be completely hopeless. No good deeds. Keep sinning. That's it. That's the perfect target for shaitan. It is critical for you to keep doing good deeds. Continue on piling up good deeds because you're already lacking, you know, that the, the other like you're sinning and you can't even quit your sins. At least, you know, temporarily until inshallah you'll be able to. But shaitan wants you to be hopeless. No good deeds, just sins and to lose control. Do not give shaitan that. So again, relapsing happens. Do not lose hope. Allah Almighty is forgiving you every time you sin and you repent, of course, then you should forgive yourself and start all over. Do not give in to relapsing and say, well, this is it. Uh, there's no hope. No. Keep on doing it. Start all over. Every single time you relapse, start all over until you, inshallah, completely leave your addiction. So at the end of the day, we're all created to struggle. Every single one of us struggles differently And addiction is one of the worst struggles And that means inshallah Again, list all these things Allah will never leave you alone Just stay by Allah's side Like you know, get close to Allah Get close to Allah Become a better Muslim A better worshiper And inshallah with the, you know, the steps that we mentioned Inshallah you'll be able to battle addiction Or if you have, again like I said If you have someone that you know you can help them battle their own addictions. And thank you so much for listening. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.